Anytime you have a desire to be proactive and to be aggressive, you will find yourself from time to time alone. Leading, my friend, is leading when some people at some occasions believe that you've gone too far. But in your heart of hearts and in your mind, you understand, hey, I think this is what God wants me to do. And you may find yourself at the top of the mountain or in the depth of the valley wondering where everybody's at. There have been many people throughout the Scripture that felt that aloneness, who found themselves in a wilderness state, who made a decision that the only thing they could do was to follow after the Lord. Taking a giant step to become a missionary is a huge step. You'll question yourself a thousand times or more. Starting your own business, taking the investments that you have and saying, I have to fuel this business with my personal capital. That's a big step. You find yourself in the wilderness on those kinds of issues. Will it work or will it not work? God's in the business of building us. He's in the business of leading us in a path that causes us to be challenged. And so it is out of Exodus, the 16th chapter, in verses 1 through 4, and then 6 and 7, and 34 and 35, you have the story of the children of Israel who now find themselves in the wilderness. The wilderness, as we know, is uh, in the Middle English means wild or no restraint. It means that anything can happen out there. Any attack, cold, desolate, dark, can be hot. It means there are no restraints. The wilderness says, I will work you over if you come out here and expect to stay very long. It is desolate. It is deserted. And most normal people do not choose to go there. But how many of you have ever been there? Raise your hand. You know what it's like. You know the wilderness of being told by a spouse, I don't love you anymore, I'm out of here. You'll go through a wilderness state. When you lose a loved one that you've been with for a lot of years, you'll go through a wilderness state. When you face an economy that turned upside down a few years ago and you think, I don't know that we're going to meet payroll, and before you know it, you haven't met payroll, that's a wilderness circumstance that you're going to go through. Maybe you've had great health all of your life, and all of a sudden, you say, my gracious alive, I'm falling apart at the seams. That is a wilderness experience. And then there are those spiritual times that we go through the wilderness that when we believe that we pray, the prayers do not go anywhere, bounce off the ceiling or right back down. And we say, God, what is up with this? We know that it is a place that we can visit that wilderness is spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. And none of us say, I think I just want to go on purpose. It's not fun. It's not exciting. There is no place of comfort in those kinds of places. But it has a place that is beneficial if it happens to be God's ordained desire for you to walk through. Sometimes we visit there because we may choose, and sometimes it's because of circumstances that we are cast into that wilderness, that unrestrained place, that place that there are no answers, that place that one problem after another continues to come. 
I'm thinking about one of our own church families, 47 or 48 years of age. The lady, of course, is in our lakeside community, and as a result, going through uh, pancreatic cancer. And no matter what they do, the challenge, and they're praying, and we're believing God. That's a wilderness experience. Oh, what does the doctor say? Oh, we treated this, and I've got to tell you, our treatment procedure is 90%. That's not what they're hearing. What they're hearing is, you're going to need a miracle. You're going to need a touch that is unbelievable. Can you imagine having children and being that age, and all of a sudden, the comfort and the joy of doing the usual routine of raising a little family, and all of a sudden, you're faced with that kind of information. We know and we understand the wilderness is something that is important because it is a testing place. I've been there. A testing place. What do you do? Big decisions. I remember the many decisions that we have made over 29 years as it relates to the church, whether it's buying a piece of property or building a building or whatever the case. You see, I'm a numbers person. I understand numbers. And I said, well, God, that's going to cost that, and that's going to be the payment, and that's going to stretch us, and that's going to happen. And eventually you get down and you pray, God, give me a vision for that. Give me an answer. And I have prayed, and God has, 29 years, given us an answer. But you go through that period, you see, buddy, it's got to be faith. And I'm not really sure about it. God, if you don't mind, just kind of have the Brinks truck drive up to my office and unload, you know? Let it be that that happens but it is a place of testing. It says there in the Scripture, Exodus 61, the whole Israelite. How many of you know how many that is? The whole Israelite, 100% community, set out from Elam and came to the desert of what? Sin. They'd exited Egypt. It had only been about six weeks, and the newness started wearing off. If you've ever bought a brand new car, boy, that smell is something else. But how long does it take before that smell doesn't matter anymore? And you think, I just paid my third car payment, and it really is stretching me. And I, this thing, this vehicle right here, I don't know if it's still worth it or not. Too late. It's yours. The new smell goes away, and then you're headed for reality. Six weeks is all it takes to rub off. And we know that God's goal for his people was, hey, I want to teach you something. I want to know that your life every day, every footstep, is a training situation. The circumstances for them were difficult, as it has been for all of us. They were at the southern end of the Sinai, where it is most hot. They are, it's rocky and hard. There's no shade. It's hardships, and the hardships just keep coming to them. And food and proper nourish, nourishment seems to be absent. And if they're getting used to the place called the wilderness, and it's the same place where Jesus was sent and tested by the enemy in Matthew, the fourth chapter. Now, here's what I found out when I find myself in some wilderness circumstance. There are usually two attitudes. One is survival and determination regardless. It says it might be the wilderness, but this is going to be the best wilderness that I've ever experienced. It might be the wilderness, but other people have come through here and made it, and I'm going to make it. It might be the wilderness and it's hot, but it cannot last forever. 
It might be the wilderness, but I know God's not forsaken me, and I'm going to rise up, and I'm going to come through this by the power of God. Lester Thoreau says, a competitive world has two possibilities for you. Competitive world, two possibilities. You can lose, and if you want to, you can change. Lose or change, what options? Here's the other option, failure, depression, and retreat. How did I get in here? I'm depressed. I'm not going to make it. No, but I can't make it. I can't take it. And you can cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. But at the end of the day, what's all that crying going to do? Nothing. So how do you manage those situations? The Israelites decided to fail. It's always easier to fail. It's always easier to do nothing. It's always easier to give up. It's always easier to turn your back. It's always easier to say, let someone else engage. It's always easier to behave that way than it is to dig in and say, let's make it. They determined to allow their circumstance to rule their present situation. And if they rule your present, they will determine your destiny. You see, how you react to your wilderness experience, how you react to no, how you react to trouble would determine what your destiny is going to be, and it will not be pretty. Everybody I know at one time or another has been in the wilderness, and those that I admire came through, and those that I don't admire, they're still there. You see, you can take that kind of person unless they decide to come on through. You can revisit them five years later, and they are in the same spot they were five years before, only they're worse. The traits of one who remains of the wilderness looks like this in the situation. They look to the past, Elam to the wilderness. They constantly look behind. Number two, they grumbled and complained. They pointed their fingers and accusations toward others. You see, here's something you might want, to, might want to put in your heart. Focus on goals of tomorrow, not people of the past. The goal of tomorrow, I'm in the wilderness. I'm in this. I'm upside down financially. I'm hurting. I'm facing divorce. I've lost a loved one. What am I going to do? I don't have any goals anymore. Then get some goals. Focus on tomorrow instead of the people of the past. What did they do? They exaggerated their past comforts, and their present circumstances. You remember they grumbled in Egypt, and I mean, and Pharaoh made it harder and harder for them, and now they're looking back in the wilderness and it wasn't so bad there. Yes, it was. And they're exaggerating their present. Do you know why they're exaggerating their present and it's getting worse? They've chosen not to pick up and move forward in a goal. Here's Exodus 16, verse 2 and 3. It says, There too the people spoke bitterly against Moses and Aaron. Oh, that we were back in Egypt, they moaned, and that the Lord had killed us there. For there we had plenty to eat, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us with starvation. You see, if the wilderness is a place of testing, then the only way to achieve success is this. Learn what you can. Believe that today is the day of deliverance. Trust in God's wisdom and not your own understanding. Encourage yourself in the Lord and keep marching on until you sense the move of the Holy Spirit. When you do good, 
some people won't like it. When you do bad, some people don't care. God cares. Number two, the wilderness is a place of new revelation. New revelation. Here we go, Exodus 16, verse 7. And in the morning, you'll see the glory of the Lord because he's heard your grumbling against him. Milo, do you believe God hears our grumbling? How many believe he does? Yep, he does. He reads your Facebook. He reads your Snapchat. He reads your text. He reads your emails. He reads your Twitter and your tweeter. He reads it all. And you know what? Even if you don't say it, he knows what's in your heart. Everybody with me? So he says, hey, what kind of spirit is that? Is that the kind of spirit you expect me to be pleased with? He knows about that. He understood in the morning and who we are that you, and, and he goes on and says, he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? That's Moses and his group. Who are you? Why are you grumbling against us? I'm only a man. You're grumbling against God. So let's put it this way. Let's say you're in a tight spot. Let's say you're in the wilderness and your only hope is God. You've tried everything. You tried to borrow money from your mom and your dad and your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, and they've all told you, I ain't loaning you anything. Sound familiar to some of you? You go down to the bank and your good banker who loves when you come through the door, you sit down and say, I'd like to have a line of credit. He said, not here. You missed your car payment twice already. We don't give line of credit. And by the way, I checked your credit score and it's about 400. 400. Yeah, that's just a few hundred short. So you're not getting anything. You walk outside that bank and you say, God, what, I, what am I going to do? And here's what I believe God says. Have you paid your tithe? <laughs> I think that's where God starts. But let's say you walk outside of that bank and you say, wow, I don't, I don't, wow. And you start saying, God, I've done this, 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 this. I've been good here, here, and here, but I've hit this little rough patch. And God says, let me, let me check your faithful record. Because here it is. So you understand, most people don't automatically land in the wilderness. Most of the time, once they get there, you can track their path of how they got there. And there might have been a lot of road signs between the wilderness and they got off track that God says, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. If you don't, you go into the wilderness. These people were God's people. Jehovah. God delivered them. Wouldn't you think when they saw the hand of deliverance miraculously by God and what the Egyptians went through and what Pharaoh, wouldn't you think that they would be singing, our God reigns? And yet they forgot. We understand that. But they're now in the wilderness. We understand Yahweh. Here's what this chapter is in the 16th chapter. It's titled Yahweh. You know what that means? It means my presence shall go with you. Say that with me. My presence shall go with you. Let's say it again. My presence shall go with you. So it matters not where you are. My presence shall go with you. Now if you're God and you hear them grumbling, what are you going to do? 
You're unthankful. You're fussing. You're murmuring. So let me see what I can do for you. You know what ordinary people would do? I'm writing you out of my will right now. You're not getting a lickety split thing out of me. I'm never going to give you anything else. You see, we must never forget that as believers, that we are in the presence of the Lord and God's promise to be with us is not based on our goodness, the depth of our spirituality, or some political correctness. It is because God said, you're my people. I love you. You belong to me. My presence is going to be with you. That's how you got a miraculous miracle time and time and time again. The problem was the devil could not separate you from God's plan for your life. He couldn't do it. We understand the power of that blessing. Several things in this story. God heard their cry. God desired to help them in spite of their complaining. And God wanted to reveal his glory, his presence before them. Listen carefully. This just Holy Spirit came to me. Check, check your murmuring. Check your complaining. Just take a look at your spirit man tonight and say, have I been murmuring more? Have I been complaining more? Have I been mean more? Just ask yourself that question and see what answer you come up with. If you find, yeah, I've been a little nasty, a little mean, a little grumpy, complaining and murmuring, stop it because it will lead you to wilderness. It will. In the meantime, you'll make everybody else's life miserable. God said, I've heard your cry. I'm going to help you in spite of your complaining. And I want to reveal my glory, and you're the only people that I have to reveal my glory through. And I am testing you, Exodus 16, 4, that I may test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. I'm going to check it out. I want to see if you follow what I'm asking you to do. You see, every opportunity we have, I thought a moment ago and we received a special offering, be sure you gave what God wanted you to give. It's important that you listen to him. Be sure you listen to the messages the last two weeks and say, wow, God, I know what I need to do. Because when you fail to do what God desires for you to do you get just a little bit closer to the wilderness it is that place where if we determine to succeed god can give us new revelation you heard our missionary tonight and said i prayed for the next nine hours was that correct that time in that for the next nine hours So God gives us new revelation. The wilderness is not necessarily a whipping place, but a training place. I read behavioral science books and books as it relates, and some of those say, if you're going to discipline a child, take them to a special place. Don't discipline them in their bedroom because that's where they get rest. Don't discipline them in the kitchen or the dining room because that's a place of community. Listen carefully. My daddy didn't care. (laughs) 
it's whenever the moment hit him. He was ready. The reality is the disciplines of God, it's not a whipping place, but if you look at wherever you're at now as a training place to grow you. Number two, it's not a place of defeat. That wilderness, those problems, those challenges, it's not a place of defeat, it's a place of victory. It's not a place of separation from God, but it's a place of intimacy with God. I saw a lady that I have known for all my ministry here and before this morning. I knew her husband, former husband, before they divorced a number of years ago. She'd been single. Divorced. And from time to time, we have helped her because she had children and we watched those children grow up and become individuals that followed the Lord Jesus Christ in spite of the split and the divorce in their mom and dad's marriage. And I've talked, as I talk sometime with ladies who'll come in and say, Pastor, you think anybody will ever have me? I've been through a divorce. Pastor, do you think there's anybody out there that is available? Hello? Anybody out there available? I've gone through all that. Always encourage them. This is what I tell them. Hey, you've been playing around with one-carat diamonds. And a one-carat diamond guy, he doesn't know how to treat a five-carat diamond woman. How many understand that? You see, a five-carat diamond woman knows what she wants, knows what she expects, and she's way up here. And your problem is these little one-carat guys, they don't know how to treat you. God's got a five-carat diamond just waiting for you. If you just are patient, just wait it out, and God will send them by. Did they believe you, Pastor? They acted like it because that's what I believe. So I saw her this morning. I've seen her for two or three weeks now with apparently a guy who knows how to handle a five-carat diamond. And I caught her eye this morning. As I remember her weeping, I remember the pain that she went through. I remember continuing with her education. I remember the bills that she couldn't pay, but she kept going to work. I remember the children that she had to raise and kept them in church. I remember all those things. I remember hugging her when she was crying and weeping uncontrollably. I remember seeing her in these altars, but this morning... I saw her with her arm in his arm. They're holding hands, and I looked at her, and I thought, she smiled real big at me. You know what, friend? Thrills my heart. Because if we're patient in the wilderness, God says, my presence is with you. And if you just hang on, God will supply your needs and give you the desires of your heart. Somebody say, amen. It's not a place of separation. We know that. There's bread in the morning and there's meat, quail in the evening. 
And it was just enough to sustain them every single day. And David writes about it in Psalms 111, verses 4. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. And the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. That's David's take on what happened to those people. Even though they complained in the wilderness, God was faithful and true finally. The wilderness is a place you never forget. Dan and I were talking in a service and we we're talking about different people and said some of the churches you pastored early on, you knew all their names. I said, yeah, I did. I don't, I'm not good at remembering names. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm free to admit that. <clears throat> but he said, in that small church, you remember their names. I said, yeah, to this day. I said, the other people that I remember throughout my life in ministry are the ones that hurt me. Amen? And the ones that bless me. You remember those. Hurt you or bless you? hurt you or bless you. You remember those names. You don't forget them. And there's a reason you don't forget them. It's because some activity took place that either excited your heart or it hurt your heart. And we understand that he says that wilderness experience, that pain, you never forget that. You never forget what that experience was like and when it happened. As the Lord commanded Moses in Exodus 16, Aaron put manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The provisions of God in the wilderness lasted a solid 40 years. Every day they were reminded of God's grace and love. Every day God gave them new revelation. And finally, the Lord instructed Moses to get a vessel and preserve three quarts of manna. It was like honey bread. Why? God said, I want a testimony and a memorial out of this experience. And when I wrote this, as the Holy Spirit gave it to me, most testimonies are born in the wilderness. Most testimonies come out of tragedy and difficulty. It's a place that we never forget. It's a part of our lives that we didn't feel like we could even catch our breath. But God says that wilderness experience, if you hang in there, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up on some people that you know are in the wilderness and they're there because God put them there or allowed them to be there. Or they're there because of their own silly decisions and did not make right choices. Have compassion and mercy on them. And pray, God, there, teach me something. There, cause me to learn and to stretch and to grow like never before. Always remember the perspective of height of the mountaintop of success. It's always a result of testimony that was born out of the wilderness. And you get to determine how high you want to go on the top and the pinnacle of blessing in your life by the depth of the valley and wilderness that you went through. So the wilderness, it will not defeat you. The wilderness will give you new revelation. And the wilderness will always cause you to remember what it means to not seem to feel that closeness that you like to feel, and it's uncomfortable. 
But if you remember, God says, I'm with you, and this has a reason. Stay true to the faithfulness of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you in this moment. We pray that you would just uh, speak to our hearts. God, some are going through some very painful circumstances in this room, and they feel that pain. Their heart beats, and every time their heart beats, they feel that pain. God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they receive hope. They understand Yahweh. They understand the power of what it means that though they may be in a place that is a bit uncomfortable, as a matter of fact, a whole lot uncomfortable, that you were there before they got there and you'll be there after they're gone. I pray in your name, God, financially, you'll touch some of our people and make a way where there is no way. I pray in the name of Jesus that some who might be functioning in their own businesses and this new tax law, of course, might bring some kind of an adverse circumstance to them or they're trying to figure out what to do. Would you give them wisdom? And God, I pray in the name of the Lord, those that are spiritually looking and say, God, I'm in a hard place, I'm in a dry place, and I need you to speak to me. God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come down and rain on us. So just in case there's some here listening online that's not right with Jesus, let's repeat this prayer, shall we? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive me. Forgive me. I've made mistakes. made mistakes. I've messed things up. Messed things up. And I humble my heart. I, humble my heart. I, believe my only answer I believe my only answer is found in you. Is found in you. I believe you are my supplier. I believe you're, my supplier. You're, my protector. you're my protector. You're my redeemer. You're my, redeemer. You're my, baptizer. You're my baptizer. And you're my coming king. You're my coming king. So here I am, so here I am. asking you do what you died for in my life in Jesus name amen God is so good would you stand if you need prayer in these moments need God to move now that you have information information that says all right God what do you want me to do the Bible says that if you need prayer you're welcome to come to the altar the altar is still a significant place in the house of God. It's a place of commitment, sacrifice, repentance, a place of joy, a place of victory, a place of reformation. It's wonderful. You need healing in your body. Or today you were talking about someone that you know is in the wilderness and it seems like there's no hope for them. Or maybe God laid someone who needs a miracle of healing on your heart right now and you're saying God I want to come and stand in for them as we sing this song you do that right now would you do and then we'll give the benediction in just a moment here we go you respond as God directs you Everybody, you are awesome in this place. 
Worship the Lord As together. I come into your presence, past the gates of grace, into the sanctuary, till we're standing face to face. I look upon your countenance, I see the fullness of your grace. I can only bow down and say your Heavenly Father, there are those listening online that you're choosing to anoint and deliver and bless right now. I pray as they reach out to you that your anointing will travel from this sanctuary through the proper airwaves and where they're receiving this message and give them hope. And let them know that the wilderness was not created by the enemy, but it was created by the Lord and has a purpose. And we know that Jesus, you went there and was led there to be tempted. And you came through wonderfully. You set an example. So I pray you would buoy those up, encourage them, and strengthen them. And then I pray for some that we know that's on our heart right now. They've so messed their lives up. They're so confused and frustrated. They're so blind. They're so way out there in the middle of nowhere. They don't even care anymore. Well, God, we're not going to condemn them because you wouldn't. We're going to rescue them with our prayer. We're going to believe, God, that you're going to reach down wherever they are and give them their senses back and give them hope to believe that there is a way out and they do not have to walk out alone. But God, you can give them that touch. You can lift them up. You can be the answer, the only answer. We trust you now. Take this message and let it fall in our hearts and use it to cause us to remember what we're about and who you are. And let us always have hope. And we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you haven't signed up yet, ladies, for the women's event in power, I got to tell you, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a part of it. Many people are part of it. I had one businessman that walked up after the second service this morning, put $100 down, said, if any women come up and they don't have a ticket here's for four of them and we'll, we'll just cover it I'm just telling you I feel led to tell you that lady because I don't I don't want you to miss a blessing from the Lord so let's be a part of it we're gonna sing it one more time Lord bless this group here as they depart in the parking lot keep them safe and we thank you for the good rain that we heard Lord thank you for letting it let up a little bit until we can scamper out to our vehicles 
In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Love you, everybody. God bless you. are awesome,